0: Welcome to Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here today. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word. For more information about our church, follow us on social media or visit our website, gatewayhome.com. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to 2 Timothy chapter three, and I'll actually be all over the place today, but that's kind of one of the anchoring verses. Uh, We are in the second part of our series titled Believe, And we're focusing on what we believe because what we believe directs our attitude, it shapes our behavior, and really it shapes our life. And this isn't just about God. It could be about something personal when it comes to relationships, what we believe about that, who we believe and what we believe about ourselves, uh, what we believe about uh, finances, working out, exercise, whatever it is, our belief will shape the behaviors that we have. So it's important that we really hone in on what we believe when it comes to God, and last week we talked about God is good, but we did it through this lens of understanding four different groups of people that typically come to church, and all of us are a part of this category in some way, shape, or form, and it was it came out of a survey called Reveal, and it really nailed down four areas. In uh, the first area was this, people who are simply exploring God. You're part of the fellowship, and some of you may be here today, you're just simply uh, coming to church, you just want to check it out, and that's great. We're honestly glad that you are here. Uh, and That's really fellowship. Uh, the second group of people are those that are beginning in God. They have a relationship with them, and the way that you get to this step Is the understanding that we are saved by grace alone through faith. And that is that first step. Uh, The next group is, they would be considered or called close to God. And this is where you step into discipleship. When you believe that the Bible is true and is the authority in your life. And then the final group was those that are God-centered. And that is about lordship. And it's about the belief and understanding that you are supposed to give your life away. And this includes every area of our lives. But all of these movements deal and focus on what we believe about God. And today we want to go a step, another step in that. And I want to talk about the most important book in all of humanity. And ironically, It's actually the most stolen book in all of humanity, and that's actually the Bible. And that's the title of today's message, the Bible, you can put the Holy Bible if you want. Uh, My hope is for those that have stolen the Bible that they would read the Ten Commandments and maybe pay for it after they read it, but whatever. But it's also the most read Bible, uh, the most read book, by the way, Bible means book. Uh, It's the most read book, but it's also the first book that was ever printed on the printing press. But it's important that we have an understanding of what the Bible is. And one day I'm probably going to do an entire series on this. I can't bring everything into a 35 minute, 30 to 35 minute uh, message. But I wanted to share our hearts so that we have a love in our heart for the Word of God. It's important that we do. This past week, I got the chance to go to a space Cowboys game. Baseball game. It was a great game. They ended up winning, uh, but I was there, and there was a section where they had kind of the crowd entertainment part, where the crowd got to participate, and and they basically set up a tug of war. But this was a little bit different in that they had on this. Uh, apparatus, if you want to call it that, and they were connected at the back by kind of like a bungee cord, and the purpose of the game they were playing was basically human tug-of-war, where there were five baseball laid out in the middle, and then there were buckets on the side, and they had to basically grab a baseball, and they wanted to be the ones to get three in their bucket, and the other person obviously would get two, and the one who had three would would win. And there were two guys that were set up to play this game. And when you watch them come down, you had an idea of who was going to win because one guy looked like he went to the gym all the time and didn't skip leg day, and the other guy looked like he avoided the gym all the time and loved to play video games. I'm just saying, not that that's bad if you do, but but they go out there and immediately they start and the guy who's stronger pulls one way, runs back to grab the ball, and the other guy thinks he's about to throw it into the bucket, and literally the other guy starts running and pulls him and basically knocks him about 10 feet on the ground in the middle of the air, and one guy eventually wins the the game, and obviously everyone celebrates. But you could tell immediately what was stronger by looks in the physical. But many times in the spiritual, we have our flesh our sinful nature, that's warring against the Spirit. And you can actually tell which one's stronger by which one you follow more often. Galatians 5 actually tells us this, Galatians 5, 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So your sinful nature has a craving. It has desires. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. I'm sure many of us feel that tension on a continuous basis. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. So there's a tension, there's a tug of war that's going on between the flesh and the spirit. And obviously we want to grow spiritually to where we're listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit more instead of what our flesh craves. But the stronger one will win. And if I were to ask this question today, how many people would want to grow spiritually? Most people would raise their hands except the people who are just stubborn and they're never going to raise their hands in church, but that's another point in and of itself. But we would all raise our hand, and I want to tell you this. The greatest and best catalyst for your spiritual growth is you reading the Bible. If you don't get anything today, my hope is that you get that, that we are supposed to be people that read our Bible. So I have three points today. They all start with the letter A. Uh, And the first point is this, we need to attend to the word of God. We need to attend to the word of God. 1 Timothy 4, uh, verse 12, Paul is writing to Timothy. He said, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers. Remember, we're talking about believers. That's what followers of Jesus are called, in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. So he's saying, Till I come, but he's a leader of a church. Timothy's a leader of a church. Let me give some context. And he's saying, Give attention to these things. But here's what he's saying it needs to become personal to you. You need to give your attention to these things. There's many things in the world that are fighting for your attention, but you're gonna have to give God and give the scriptures your attention and remove all the other distractions. Many people ask me, okay, pastor, how do I hear or discern the voice of God in my life? There's times where I feel like I hear God's voice, but how do I discern if that's God's voice? And I wanna tell you this very clearly. The best way to discern the voice of God is to know the word of God. I'm going to say that again. The best way to discern the voice of God is to know the word of God. Because you will sometimes have your desires and that speaks to you instead of God's word. And here's how you know if it's the voice of God, if it lines up with his word. And here's why. Because God will never come against his word. We can trust it and we can believe it. Here's another reason why it's a big deal that we know the scriptures is because this is how our faith grows, Romans ten seventeen. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This is how we have faith. This is how we grow our faith. Without faith, we know it's impossible to please God. But this is how your faith grows. So in order for your faith to grow to where you're pleasing to God, it, it requires you to hear the word of God. See, where there is a lack of faith, it actually tells me and is an indication that there's a lack of the word of God. Whenever we're not trusting God, it just simply means we haven't gotten the time to get in his word, hear what he has to say so that we're able to walk it out. Amos 8.11 says this, The time is surely coming, says the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread or water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. See, hearing God's word, and you may even feel like that you're at that place right now. I feel like I'm in a famine. Okay, here's how you get out of that famine. You read God's word. And you, you eat his word spiritually so that you're able to grow. Matthew 4, 4 says this, but Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say, or it is written, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. First of all, it does not say to not eat bread at all, because bread is good, just so everyone knows, especially the brown bread at Cheesecake Factory with butter when it's melted in, it's great, okay? Now everyone's thinking about it, and I'm a little bit hungry myself. But he says, You're not supposed to live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Here's why this is important. It says, Jesus is our daily bread. This should be a daily part of our, of our lives. In the natural, when we don't eat over a period of time, our bodies will get weak. In the same way, spiritually, even though we may not be able to see it, the truth is we could be malnourished. And that's why we don't have the strength to walk out the victory that God has for us. We have to get to a place where we love God's word because he wants to speak with us and he wants to meet with us. Psalm 119 is the longest uh, chapter in the Bible. It has 176 verses, I believe. But it speaks to the word of God. And David wrote it, King David uh, wrote this, but many people ask, well, why was a David a man after God's own heart? Here's why. Here's what he would say. Psalm 119, 15. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate, Your ways. Psalm 119, 97, and 98. Oh, how I love your instructions. I think about them, that word is meditate, all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are my constant God. Verse 148 My eyes are awake through the night watches that I may meditate on your words. See, he's thinking about God's Word all day long. He's meditating on it. This is a part of David's life. The question for all of us is, how do we we receive the Word of God? Do we do it casually, or are we intentional about it? Because the truth is, people gave their lives so that we could have the Word of God today. Are we casual about it? Do we just grab the Bible, and there's really no plan, and we just open it up, and we just happen to open up the Song of Solomon every single time? But, I'm just kidding, sorry. Do we just open it up and just couch it? It's like, okay, stick my finger here and just start reading. Or is there intention to it? Do we have a plan in order for us to be able to grow? Are we attending to the word of God? Because here's why. God would love to meet with you. God would love to speak to you. Because the word is alive. And we're going to talk about that too. First Thessalonians 2.13 says this. Therefore. We never stop thanking God that when you received his message from us, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which of course it is, and the word continues to work in those who believe. Okay, for those who believe and read the word, the word will continue to work in your life. Today. It was written a long time ago, but it still works in our lives Today. See, the Bible is not man's best attempt to describe God. The Bible is a spiritual book written by a spiritual being to spiritual beings. It's a collection of 66 books with 40 different writers, but the important thing to understand is that it has one author, and that's God. He's the one who authored the book, which is why it still has life. It's what we have to understand that the Bible is true. The Bible is trustworthy because it's compiled with the different writers over 1,500 plus years. I want you to think about that, 1,500 plus years. People that were shepherds wrote the Bible, people that were scribes. Law law givers, someone who was a tax collector that became a disciple of Jesus, many different people over the years, most of them not knowing each other, yet the Bible is consistent from the Old Testament to the New Testament, and here's why. Because the Bible is telling us God's redemptive story and plan that culminates in Jesus Christ. But it's all together. Think about that. It's impossible for that to happen. Even the prophecies that are given about Jesus Over 300 messianic prophecies in the Bible because the Bible is prophetic that were told thousands of years before Jesus fulfilled them thousands of years later and he did it in only 33 years. Okay, that can't happen unless the book is written and inspired by God. And we have to come to the place where we understand this. The Bible is true in every area that it speaks in and this is what gives us a firm foundation. So the first one is attend to the word. The second thing is this. Absorb the word of God. I needed another A, so absorb is what I came up with. All right. Absorb the word of God. Second Timothy 3 says this, verse 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Okay. Do you want to be thoroughly equipped for every good work? Yes. Must be, I'm talking to you. You can say, do you want to be thoroughly equipped for every good work? Yes. Okay. You need to read your Bible. It, it really is as simple as that, but the Bible is God breathed. The average time a person can hold their breath is about 30 seconds, don't try right now, we don't want anyone to pass out. That's the average time, and I know many of you are above average, and that's great, but you don't have to show us. The longest time in the Guinness World Records that someone held their breath and it was in controlled conditions was 24 minutes and 37 seconds, which is very impressive. I want everyone right now, just take a deep breath in, take a deep breath in with me. And breathe out. Okay. Many of us come on Sundays, and that's the one day we hear the Word of God, and we breathe in, and then we simply breathe out for the rest of the week. Come on Sunday. Sometimes miss some Sundays, but that's okay and we never breathe in again. And we wonder why we're tired. We wonder why we're struggling. We wonder why there's not the life that God promises to give us, but it's because we're not spending time in his word to breathe in what God breathed out. This is what gives us strength. This is what gives us life. It's important for us to understand. This book is life. This is how we are going to grow spiritually and in our relationship with God. The word of God is useful, said for teaching. That's the same word that's doctrine. It teaches us what is right. The word of God teaches us what is right. It also rebukes us. Which is always fun whenever you read the Bible and you get rebuked. That has to do with our convictions. It helps us know what is right. It corrects us, this idea is setting right, as putting like a bone back in place, how a doctor would do that. It sets us right and tells us the path we where to go and tells us how to get right with God. And then it trains us, which means it instructs us and it instructs us in the ways of righteousness means how to stay right with God, how to continue walking with him. And as this happens in our life, it equips us for the work that he has for us. But here's how we do this. I'm very practical. I'm kind of more in a teaching mode today. So I have my teacher's hat on. So we're going to go a little bit deeper, all right? Here's how we do this, by meditation. We meditate on his word. I have a definition. Uh, They should put it up on the screen because it's a little bit longer. And I've been told that I give you long definitions and I don't help you out by putting them on the screen. So I'm going to try to be better at that, okay? To meditate means to ponder, to give serious thought and consideration to selected information with the possible implication of speaking in low tones, reviewing the material. But most people, whenever they hear meditation, they get weird about it. There's a weird connotation around meditation that is mystical, but meditation is simply very simple. But for most people, they think meditation is actually Emptying your mind. As you meditate, just empty your mind. Okay, Christian meditation is different because with Christian meditation, you're actually filling your mind. You're filling your mind for the word of God. You're not just detaching from the world. You're actually attaching yourself to God. So you have to understand what's happening. Joshua 1.8 says this. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do, So meditate and then do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Okay. Who wants to have success in life? Okay. Meditate on God's word. There's promises all through the word of God, but if we don't read it, we won't actually know them. It's important that we meditate. Here's why. Because when we meditate on God's word, something supernatural happens on the inside of us it actually changes us as we read the scriptures. And for those of us that kind of struggle with this idea of meditation, I'm gonna to submit to you today that you actually know how to meditate. You do it all the time. If you have anxiety, what, you've actually, what you're actually doing is you're worrying and meditating on something so long that it causes your anxiety. If you live in a perpetual state of fear, it's because you meditated on something negative for your future because that's what fear is. It's a prophetic spirit that lies to you that tells you that your future is going to be negative. That's right. So if you're constantly walking in fear, you meditated on the negative for a long time. If you are living in bitterness, it's because you meditated on an offense long enough and told yourself in your mind that if I ever see this person, this is exactly what I'm going to say. Anyone else? Maybe just me. Okay. (laughs) But that's where bitterness comes from. Bitterness doesn't start. It's the end of it. But it's because we know actually how to meditate. The problem is we're meditating on the wrong things. We're meditating on things that ultimately won't give us life. And it's important for us to meditate on the right things. Otherwise, what will happen is The lies that the enemy tells us or simply the lies that we believe will create a stronghold in our lives. And even when someone tells you the truth, you can't believe it. But it's because of the meditation that you have. So we need to change it so that we can walk in what God has for us. John 1, 1 through 3 says this, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. This is talking about Jesus, by the way. Revelation 19:3, the end of the passage says, talking about Jesus and his name is called the word of God. So why would meditating on the word of God change your life? Because Jesus is the word of God. Whenever you meditate on God's word, you're actually getting a greater, greater revelation of who Jesus is, and here's why. Because if you come to the scriptures open-hearted, with a, a, a heart open and a posture willing to receive from God, the Holy Spirit will come alongside you. And as you're reading that, he will make it come alive to you, and he will apply that to your life. But it's important that we meditate on God's word. Because how much of God's life that He wants to bring in our life will be determined by how much we read. So, very practically speaking, you can get in on a reading plan. I have a reading plan. Uh, it's on you version. You can download the app. Uh, mine has a devotional at the beginning. It's by Nikki Gumbel. So I'll just say right there, and it's a year-long reading plan. And even if you start a year-long reading plan and you miss a couple days, a couple weeks, or a month, that's okay. Just jump right back in on that day. Don't feel condemned, because I feel like many times we, we're not perfect, and it's sort of like, okay, we'll just throw the whole thing out. Okay, just jump right back in and read. Some of us may need to just read the New Testament for a little bit, or read Psalms, read Proverbs. I encourage you, read the Gospels, because they tell the story of Jesus. So it's important that we do that. But another practical way is to get in a group that is going through and learning about the Bible, learning about the promises of God. Uh, one, some of the best groups that we have are taking the sermons from the weekend and really discussing those to greater detail, okay? Just throwing that out there. But there's many ways to grow practically at the same time, but I encourage you, you got to have a plan and you have to be intentional. You can't be casual about this and how we view the word of God. But the question for all of us is we come in to the world with a worldview. We grew up, we have experiences, we go through different things and we have a worldview, view. And we can take the Bible and try to fit it in to our worldview. And many of us, we come to the scriptures whenever we read it, and we come at it and with a posture that we're kind of judging the Bible. And there are certain parts of the Bible that we take out. The whole love your enemies portion, eh, don't really love it, so we'll take that part out. The whole part of Jesus came to serve and not be served. uh, I enjoy being served, so we're going to remove that one too the whole part about the Holy Spirit and letting him lead my life. Yeah, there's some days that he'll do it and there's some days that he won't. I'll go my own way. When it comes to loving one another, serving one another, giving to one another, I could go down the line. And if we're not careful, it can turn to the Bible according to us whenever we're looking down on it. And we can look at the Bible through a worldly view instead of looking at the world through a, of the word of God. But here's the way that it should be. It shouldn't be us looking down at it. It should be us allowing it to come over us and it be the authority in our lives. This is what it looks like. For us to really come to the place where we trust the word of God for our lives, that we understand his ways, that we understand his precepts, which is principles that we can live by, that we allow his spirit to lead and guide us. That's when we receive the light that God wants for every single one of us. 1 Timothy 4, 14 and 15 says this, Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Here's what this is saying. The progress of your faith should be evident to all. And remember, it's progress, not perfection. We're growing and we're maturing, but none of us are perfect. There's one who is perfect, and that's Jesus. But there should be progress in every single one of us, but it's based on meditating on the word of God. And I want to tell you right now, we don't meditate because we have to. We meditate on the word of God because we're in love with him. And you have to get that. The more you meditate on God's word, the more you'll actually grow in your love for him because you're giving it your attention. John 5, 39 says this, you search the scriptures, this is Jesus speaking, because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. Okay, what's the point of the scriptures? That Jesus is the subject of the Bible. Just so you know, it's not you. Just hate to burst your bubble. See, people are the object of the Bible. But Jesus is the subject of the Bible. The point, the problem comes whenever we make the object, the subject, and we put ourselves at the center and think that everything, and everything that God is doing revolves around us. Okay, that's not the way this works. Our heart should be to get with God's plan and his purposes and follow him. See, the point isn't to know as much scripture as possible. It's to know the God of the scriptures. It's to know Jesus. That is the point of this. So here's the third point, third and final point. Apply the word of God. Apply the word of God. Matthew seven twenty four. Therefore, this is Jesus speaking, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them in to practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. If you want a firm foundation in life and you want your house to stand firm because the storm is coming, it comes to everybody, but you don't know what your life is built on until that storm comes. But if you hear, and you put it into practice, and yes, we are talking about practice, this is what is gonna make a difference in your life. James 1.22, it says, but be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Okay, what's the deception? Here's the deception. That information without application will lead to transformation. That's the deception. You think you can read the Word of God without the intent of doing, and then your life is going to be changed and transformed. This is a deception. We all, and the worst kind of deception is self-deception. It's because you don't know you're deceived. All of us have a blind spot that we can't see. That's why it's a blind spot, just so you know. We all have them. This is why we need friends and relationships in our lives that can speak to those blind spots so that we're able to grow. But don't deceive yourself. Whenever we come to the word, we read it, but it's also to do and walk it out at the same time. Because if you don't know the word of God, you will fall to the words of the enemy. Right. Satan would love to speak lies to you. He would love for you to walk out deceived. And a matter of fact, he'll bring a flood of words against you to make you feel shame, to make you feel condemnation, to make you feel hopeless. But here's what it says, Isaiah 59, 19, and I love it. It says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift the standard against him. Okay, what's our standard? The standard is the word of God. The word of the Lord that comes forth because God's words can defeat Satan, Satan's words. We learned this even with Jesus. When he was tempted, he said, it is written. He knew the word because obviously he was the word. Ephesians 6 is talking about spiritual warfare, and we're going to do a series on spiritual warfare, I believe, in September. And we will go deeper into this. But Ephesians 6 talks about uh, our armor that we have, the shield of faith, helmet of salvation, belt of truth, all of these different things. But every single thing, every single piece of our armor, let me say it this way, is defensive except one. And that's the sword of the spirit. Okay, what's the sword of the spirit? The word of God. Okay, for those that know, great. Sword of the spirit is described as the word of God. Okay, many of us are living our lives on defense with the enemy and never on offense because we don't know the word of God. And that's actually what's used as the sword of the spirit to be able to move forward and gain territory against the darkness in this world. I'm telling you, you need to know the word of God. This is how we move forward in what God has called for us to do. This is how we take ground in our personal lives. This is how we break the generational things that have gone in our lives for year over year and generation after generation. You have to get the word in your life to be able to move forward. Hebrews 4.12 says this, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword Cutting between the soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So God's word, because it's God breathed, is still alive, it's powerful. But many of us, if we were honest, the reason why we don't come to the word is because we're afraid of being exposed. The word exposes us. Because the word knows, God knows about humanity. He made us, he created us. And it's reading the word that challenges us. It convicts us so that we step towards righteousness. It exposes our innermost thoughts and shows us, okay, this is wrong. We need to change this. But his word helps us to know his will. And then his spirit gives us the power to do his will. See, God's word diagnoses man with surgical precision because he knows what's in our hearts. But here's the best part. The same word that may cut is the same word that also heals. It exposes, but it exposes us to heal us. And it's important that we catch this. Psalm 119, verse nine, last verse. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed, which means doing, according to your word. See, we need to understand We're saved by grace. Our spirits are cleansed by the blood. That's what makes us alive. We move from death to life. Our souls are cleansed by the word. This is why we need to renew our minds. To not pattern ourselves after the world, but renew our minds so that our lives are now patterned after the ways of God. God's word will do its work in our life if we let it if we attend to it, if we absorb it, and if we apply it to our lives. Whenever I was going up, I had just graduated college, and I was living alone for the very first time. And it was a, it was a very pivotal time in my life. It was a, a decision-making time. And during that time, I was working. I just moved to the Dallas area, and I noticed some patterns in my life that were causing me problems. I don't know if anyone's ever been there. Patterns that are causing me problems, but... At that time, since I was alone, I had time to myself. And I would just read the Word of God. I would would just read it, and it would challenge me. It dealt mainly with deception and lying. That's the thing that I needed to correct in my life. I'll just be honest. I'm grateful that he did. But there were passages, and he was like, hey, this is an area of your life that needs to change. This is an area of life where you can grow. And he's done that many times since, okay? But it was at this time that was crucial for me. I was 21 years old. And I remember saying to myself as I was holding the word, if there's any area of my life that does not line up with this, I will change my life, not try to change and live the word out a different way. And that is when everything changed for me. Even reading the word, I began to see clearly. I began to receive revelation about the purpose and the calling that he had on my life in a new way than I even had before. But here's the truth. Many of us are praying for revelation from God. But the question I would have for you is, why would God give us more revelation whenever we haven't done the last thing he's asked us to do? And we have no intention of walking out what he may reveal to us in the future. My promise to you is, your life will be better if you would open up the word and apply it to your lives. If you would walk it out, your family would be different. Even your kids reading it would totally change because your mind would be renewed and you'd be walking in the newness of life because it's hard to walk in the new with an old world view. But God wants to shape, change us, shape us into who he's created us to be. But it's gonna come from being in the the word of God. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. At the end of every single message, we ask this question, what's the Holy Spirit saying to me? And we wanna have an opportunity to respond to what God is saying. In a moment here, we'll have a prayer team that's gonna come down front. We're going to go into one more song and then I'm gonna pray. There's a prayer team that's down front and if you need prayer for anything at all, we want to have the opportunity to pray with you through whatever you're going through. It doesn't have to just pertain to the message, but if you, even if you want someone to pray with you because you want to hunger to read the word of God, we're here for that. But you may be going through a financial burden, a health burden, whatever it is. Don't leave with the same burdens that you came in with without agreeing with someone in prayer because we believe that prayer changes things. But there's others of us that... God may be saying to us, hey, it's, it's time. I actually want you to go deeper in your relationship with me. I want you to even start reading the Word because here's why God would love to spend time with you. He would love to be with you. He would love to speak to you. And by being open and setting an appointment with him, it will change everything about our lives. To remove the busyness, remove the distractions. So, Father, right now, we thank you for your goodness and your love. We thank you that you gave us your word to cleanse us, to mold us, to shape us into who you called us to be. Because you're a God that didn't want us to be uncertain of your love, a God that didn't want us to be uncertain that we are accepted by you, a God who didn't want us to think that we could go through life without experiencing your peace, your joy, your goodness, and your faithfulness. So you gave us a firm foundation of your word and I pray that we would be people that would be readers of your word, that we would study your word, that we would meditate on your word and that not only that, that you would give us strength by your spirit to walk it out and to be doers of your word as well. May that mark our lives, may it mark our families and may it mark the future generations. And we thank you for that right now. In Jesus' name I pray and everyone said, amen and amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you live in the Houston area or are in town for a visit, we would like to invite you to join us for a service. For service times and location or more information about Gateway Church, follow us on social media or visit our website, gatewayhome.com. Have a blessed week.